Welcome, everyone, to the post-Christmas Completely Unnecessary Podcast. Wednesday? Why would you listen to Wednesday, December 29th, 2021? That's Musin next, Ian Ferguson. Howdy. I'm Pat Contry. On the show today, we will be discussing what we got for Christmas. will be one of the things we've discussed. It's, it's a festive CU podcast. Maybe we'll do a year-end thing real quick. Uh, we'll also be talking about Sonic uh, Scented Candles. <laughs> we'll be discussing uh, good old games being in trouble. Uh, the the Intellivision Amico. Pat played an Intellivision Amico game. Clickbait. Hold on for that news. And a Patreon poll topic and other stuff. Uh, so, Ian, what did you what did you get for Christmas, buddy? Thick. That's what I got for Christmas. Yeah, um, you got, you in addition, viruses. you got viruses. <laughs> in addition to that, I got a knife sharpener, which I've been needing and wanting for quite some time. Um, and Vani also got me a full set of the uh, Pac Man uh, brunch figurines, ones we spoke on the podcast a couple months ago. Yeah, we talked about them on the podcast. Look nice. Yep. Um, and my brother got me uh, a set of Huey, Dewey, Louie, and Scrooge uh, Legos that I still need to put together. That sounds that pretty nice. cool. Yeah. And, and uh, what 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 viruses did Santa bring you this year? Uh, I got, I had COVID nineteen for sure at one point. Um, the way the timeline looks now is that I got it probably while flying. I had I so I have a bad back. I talk about that on the podcast. Flying is not good for my back. And my back has been really um, aggravated for the past like month and a half starting. I threw it out end of October and it hasn't fully healed yet. Um, So seven hours of flying combined with maybe two hours of sleep the night before and a lot of work leading up to leaving. I thought maybe I was just exhausted from, from travel. You know, I thought maybe that was it. Um, but it was body aches. I was sweating. Um, and I started to feel a little bit better the next day. And by the third day, I was pretty good. It was pretty good. Um, but my brother tested positive for COVID. So we got a bunch of COVID tests and, and I was checking my temperature and everything. I had no fever or anything like that. So I'm like, maybe this travel just really beat the shit out of me. <laughs> but then we all tested. I was positive. Vani was positive. Um, my parents, my brother. And then uh, the next day, they tell you to do the second test in the box, you know, within 24 to 36 hours after you do the first test. So I did it and I tested negative. The day I tested positive, I felt fine. The day I tested negative, I felt fine. And then the day after I started to get like sick again. And I don't know if it's just, I don't think it's COVID because they say, you know, quarantine for 10 to 12 days from first symptoms. And it's 12 days, I think, if not more since my first symptoms. So I don't think it's COVID again. I think I caught a cold or the flu on top of it. And it's just been kind of a, a nightmare. But I sat in a sauna this morning. Um, oh, you did, did, did the, uh, the Joe Rogan uh, technique to kill yeah, COVID. Fuck, fuck Joe Rogan. Um, <laughs> but I sat in a sauna this morning. Uh, and that loosened me up in the chest and I'm, you know, starting to get some of the gross shit out of my system. So I should be fine. Uh, unfortunately, I can't test again right now because everyone got Omicron over Christmas. So there's no, there's no tests anywhere. There's like no, there's they're, a rapid they're just, test. They're just the sold out everywhere. There's yeah. no drive-through site nearby. Um, they're all like super backed up. Is it that so, bad? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like everyone got it. 
uh, from traveling or just being around people. Uh, I, my, my two cousins got it. Um, and my cousin's, uh, husband, um, you know, a couple other people that seemed like they got it. It's like, yeah, we got sick. And I'm like, eh, well, it's, it's going around. It's, 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 it's the super transmissible, hopefully more mild version of COVID. Hopefully. Well, it certainly seems more mild. If it's not more mild, we're all fucked, obviously, because like from what I was reading, it spreads like the like the measles. Right. And like if you're if someone's like if you don't know about the measles, the reason why the measles was so deadly was that like literally like someone could walk in a room with it, walk out, you walk in 15 minutes later, you get it. Right. You don't have to be around the person like it just lingers. And it sounds like this is closer to something like that. Oh, uh, if that's the case, then then there, there's there's like, you know, uh, thankfully most people are most people are vaccinated at this point. You know, we got to get our boosters in. Um, so like, sounds like this might be a rough winter for this. Yeah, might be yeah. Um, thankfully, when I read the news about Walter Reed uh, Hospital, it sounds like they've been working on uh, since the beginning of this. They're working on a on a, on a vaccine to hit all variants of COVID, not just a specific uh, variant. Right. Um, so <laughs> it has to do with like the, the spike protein be, being like a different shape, I believe. I, I'm not an expert. They came out that news last week. Um, it was like last week or earlier this week. It was before Christmas by a few days. And it's like, well, that's promising if they get that to human trials. And hopefully in 2022, we can get that going. But we're going to be dealing with this another year. We're going to go into year three. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's just what's going to happen. So I'm glad glad you're feeling relatively okay. Glad you got the you got the vaccine. If you hadn't, oh yeah, who the hell knows, right? Right. Getting the Ian Extreme close up right now. You're looking up something. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm glad I got my booster a few weeks ago. When I, when I was in Sacramento, I I thought about it the whole time. I'm like, I can get something here, even if it's from flying. Yeah. And and I didn't get anything. Knock on wood that I know of. Um, or maybe I fought something off, you know, because I, cause I got the booster, like who knows? That's the thing. That's, that's the world we're, we're living in. So you got the knife sharpeners. What did I get? Uh, my sister got me spices. My sister got me, there's a, there's a spice website that she's recommends that she even says like regular spices are a lot cheaper. And there's like a, a bunch of fish spices. There was like, like, uh, spices you didn't think of like Ukrainian village spice. And there's a couple other spices in there. And I'm like, all right, I gotta try this on my on my fish and my and spice my, blends. That's basically what bl- yeah. different blends, different blends you wouldn't try. Spice of life, Ian. That's the expression. Makes makes your it makes your experience <sighs> totally different. Spice of life. Yes, variety is the spice of no, life. Plain ass chicken. I usually buy my chicken already married enough, so now I'm gonna have to buy just you know regular chicken or breasts and you know just do it myself. Then that's fine. I'm willing to make the sacrifice. Yeah, I um, always buy it plain. It's it's always more fun to marinate it yourself. Uh, I also got I got a food hangover uh, with the feast of the Italian the feast of the seven Italian fishes, which you can hear about on the Patreon exclusive podcast. Patreon That's right. I see you podcast. Oh, boy, it was an experience. Uh, so I got that, and then my friend, she um, got me a, a present that I didn't ask for. I will say this right now. I have to show it though. It's too funny not to show. Um, and this might get back to the the, the, the celebrity uh, that's mentioned there. Uh, she got me three pairs of boxer briefs custom ones uh with like graphic print on it and they're actually a good quality they're stretchy so um uh, i was i'll say maybe i i might have a minor crush on this person and that's why she got it but i did not i did not ask for these i will say that 
but she got me boxer briefs of Monica McNutt. <laughs> oh my God. Monica McNutt is a delightful um, ESPN and MSG network analyst. And I think uh-huh. she used to play basketball at Georgetown. And um, <laughs> she has the best smile, if you can see that. Oh, yeah. No, that's great. So I love these, but Monica, if, you, if this somehow gets to you, Miss McNutt, I did not ask for these. I honestly did not ask for these. So don't be don't be freaked out. But I now there's boxer briefs with your with your face on it a uh, hundred times, right there. So those those are those are great. Let me put the camera right there. Those, those those are those are great. So that was that was a funny present. And then of course my my mom got me. My mom always makes me the you know she makes me the cookies. Uh, every year and then i bought myself i would buy myself stroopily good old good old stroopily so that's what i got did, did anyone get you any uh scented candles ian no but there is a sonic the hedgehog scented candle now that would be great for me uh if you ever want to know what candle i would like get me the sonic the hedgehog scented candle smells like um, hedgehog yeah it smells like hedgehog it doesn't say what it's uh, uh it really smells like break the limits gotta go fast oh. sonic the hedgehog blue candle um it comes with stickers i kind of uh want this uh let's see it doesn't smell like woodland creatures it says um uh they're they're guaranteed to make any grotty game cave smell 1000 times better uh they're still not telling me what this smells like oh my god they made an amy rose candle so uh geez pat come on now they made uh tails sonic amy is there a knuckles candle there's got to be a knuckles candle is it, oh amy's a female hedgehog yes pink one okay um she has yeah. to be pink so uh the smell is of rose magnolia cherry blossom and sandalwood wait, wait which one is sonic uh i'm going to guess he's magnolia but i don't know for sure so these are just candles that you know, you know what we're gonna get a sega license and just rebrand these candles and get all the rubes to buy yeah hey candles are nice aromatherapy is a thing you want to relax you want to sit in the bathtub and have a sonic candle going i'm not judging you you can do this it's time to fly says the tails candle get like 14 Uh, tails candles and you put them around you like it like in a like in a like in a ritual a sonic ritual you can do that you can do whatever you want more interesting to me in the sonic the hedgehog news portion of our intro is the um the announcement of sonic legos um the sonic the hedgehog lego set was one of those sets that was like made by fans and then they put it up on that website and they vote for it and they turn it into a real lego set um i actually like the sonic lego set i think it's far more interesting than the mario lego set um because you actually recreate a segment of a level so you recreate like the bridge with the loop and you make the little bad guys and it looks like a little diorama um those mario legos like obviously kids love them but as an adult i look at them and i I don't get anything out of them it's more meant to be a toy it would be far cooler to me if you made like a you know a piece of the scenery or the diorama or something or made a pipe (laughs) so i like this i don't think this is going to be a um I don't think they're going to do a series of them. Um, I think it's okay. just this one one off set, but it looks really cool. And they come out in January and I'm not sure on the price. Um, I don't think they announced the price yet, but that's actually a set that I might consider picking up. 
So, of course, it's what Green Hill Zone. You get the loop. You get a loop. You get the little uh, wooden bridge. You get the famous enemies. The, you get the coins. You get the little, uh, you make the little power up boxes. So, yeah, I, I like it. It would actually be a Lego set you could build and put on like a shelf and it would look nice. And it's Lego Company. This isn't like. No, it's Lego. Okay. It's yeah. not one of the, 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 the com- there's like one or two competitors that are still out there. No, it's, you see. It's, it's, it's not Mega Blocks. It's Lego. Mega Blocks. There's another one. Well, this would this would help uh, people um, for next Christmas. A bill has been introduced. Democrats are pushing a bill to outlaw scalper bots. Woohoo! This is from PC Mag House and Senate Democrats reintroduced the Stopping Grinch Bots Act to crack down on scalper run bots. Uh, On Monday, U.S. Rep. Paul Tonko from new york and senators richard blumenthal from connecticut and chuck schumer from new york and ben ray illusion from new mexico announced a new push for the stopping grinch bots act the bicameral bill will crack down on cyber grinches using bot tech to quickly buy up whole inventories of popular toys and resell them to parents at higher prices they originally introduced the bill in november 2019 um i don't know why this wasn't passed immediately like who would be against this i guess i guess you're a grinch um so let's see if this gets pushed through. I mean, can we get this through? Uh, the, the, the Federal Trade Commission will be tasked with enforcement if this went through. It'll be FTC. So there you go. I mean, I'd love to see it. I don't know why this isn't a bipartisan thing. I don't know why everyone's not behind it. That strikes me as kind of odd. Well, it I mean, sounds like, okay, there was a law passed in 2016 that outlawed bots <laughs> from circumventing control measures to buy up tickets for public events. So this would expand that bill. Just do it for everything then. Yeah. The law made it illegal for scalpers to resell the tickets obtained through the bot. Just do it for everything then. Why not? They got no foresight. If you're going to do it for tickets, these are all old curmudgeons in Congress. Come on. You don't know that people are going to come on. Do it for shoes, toys, everything. video games, graphics cards. I'm trying to think who can possibly be against this. Who can possibly be against this? Well, people that make money doing this. That's what they be against. Yes. People I'm sure other people's Christmases. I'm sure someone in Congress is like, oh, my freedom to be an asshole. I, I mean, well, they're not charging enough. That's what it's like that dumb fucking argument that happened one, a couple of times with people <laughs> online. It's like, no, that's not like this isn't capitalism. This is a this is a fucking fake arbitrage system. And you're, and you're restricting supply and demand <sighs> of the product artificially. It's not. No, it's, it's ridiculous. Yes. So hopefully it happens. Uh, we have to mention the passing of John Madden in 85 happened. Uh, Yesterday on the on the twenty eighth, obviously John Madden. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you know about the Madden uh, series of games that go back to what was the first year? 80, 1988. 88, That's when we covered in the video game years when it was on on the computer at first. It became uh, the the most accurate depiction probably of any sport at the time on a video game console, or one of the earliest ones to, to get it right. And then obviously to this day, it's a juggernaut. But John Madden, if you didn't know that, was was a famous football coach in the seventies for the <laughs> for the then uh, Oakland Raiders. He won one Super Bowl. He went to a, almost got to the Super Bowl a few other times. He was a great coach. And obviously, we grew up with him. I mean, at basically the same time I knew him as a video game. Um, you know, not Guru. I guess Guru. You can say that he he had influence in the games. But we knew him as an announcer, as a, a yeah. color analyst, and he was he sort of like set the mold for like an entertaining color analyst. He was knowledgeable, but he was also goofy. He made the turducken famous. Yep. He's the guy who made it famous, like whatever it was 20 years ago, talking about it. 
and he was a uh, very down to earth and he was a guy here's a guy that everyone could relate to and he, he didn't go too complex on the x's and o's for a lot of people like he was like the common man's analyst right and from whatever from all and from whatever i'm saying he was a super nice guy uh, on top of it and obviously very knowledgeable so of course when he when when ea came to him to do the, the football game at first the, the, we covered some video game years and everyone's talking about it they're like, yo, we can't get 11 guys in the field on both teams. They said, well, that's not a football game. Then You need 11 guys. You need 11 on 11. That's a football game. Right. So they had to make it work. And then obviously he put the, his own you know, plays in the game and like that made it the best computer, the best football simulation. You know, that was the dominant football game for the first, whatever, 10 years at least. Until quarterback club tried to get it off its feet in the 2K, but like that was just Madden. That was it. There's game day. There was other ones. There was the Sega ones, but they really, they really, um, Madden really set the mold, set the mold for the yearly releases of sports games and stuff like that. Every other major sports game followed in its steps. You know, Uh, it's a solid play to call all the time, every day. Go into uh, ultimate nintendo.com. You can can make that play call. Yeah. B22 ultimate.com. You can get the enamel pins to close out your 2021. You can get the limited T-shirt. We got a few of them left there for sale. The Ultimate Nintendo Guidebooks are there as well, and the RBI baseball <laughs> stickers are there. The RBI baseball stickers. Someone asked me at the event a couple uh, weeks ago how many you think I've left. I said I don't know, seventeen fifty of them. I, I I have no idea. Something like that. There's a lot left there. And then um, I will be probably on Thursday this this week. Just recording Wednesday, Thursday. I'll be on Twitch this week. Twitch.tv slash Country Code. Um, I'm also going to be finishing up an NES Punk episode before the end of the year. Knock on wood. It's a late Christmas episode. Before you get on me, the, the last uh, Christmas episode was only two days late. And then the year before that, it was two days early. Uh, I, I, or one day early. So I'm doing a Christmas episode. And before you get on me, Pat, why are you late? Because I went to a, I went on a trip. And then I did it at Flea Market Madness. And then Christmas week is hell. And give me, cut me some slack, okay? Cut me, I, you enjoy them. Let, let me get them out when I get them out. I'm a, I'm a one-man band right here when it comes to this stuff. I was also on PBS. I've got to mention that. You mentioned that last week. Did I? That it came yes. out? Yep. You mentioned hey, it last week. PBS Roundtable? Uh-huh. Okay. Because you, you said you mentioned me as well. But it was, I mentioned on the podcast? Yep. Okay. Well, well, I was positive you did. I mean, go ahead and say it again if you didn't, but I don't know when you would have told me. Well, it came out within the last week. So uh, I think so. K- KPBS. Um, did a like a local San Diego podcasting thing, and I'll, I have a segment on there, so check that out. Uh, bad news: GameWorks is closing. Um, this is not a chain I'm familiar with, but it sounds like it's like a uh, Dave and Buster style chain where you've got an arcade and there's like a restaurant there. And I I recognize the name, but I know nothing about GameWorks. They've been around, it looks like, since July '96. They're closing. Twenty five years. Uh, I guess they couldn't totally totally survive the pandemic. Um, looks like there, there's uh, several locations that are left. Uh, throughout the u.s midwest has most of them there's one it looks like in was that, is that seattle um, las vegas has one one in colorado and there's chicago looks like there's one in minnesota ohio and is that virginia uh, virginia so yeah I, I guess if people have fond memories of game works obviously it's um it sucks it's like yeah. a burger on that page i mean i've been to dave busters a couple times maybe this is a, a, a better version of that I don't know. You know, I, 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 there's not one nearby, but it looks like it's the same sort of stuff. There's redemption games. You have your, your light gun games. 
Beat Saber, you know, you got your it's it's your modern arcade. I'm sure they have some 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 <laughs> traditional arcade games, but that's not what these places are about. That's not how they make their money. It's all about the redemption. It's all about stuff like that, you know. But it's sad. Uh, it's Speaking also sad. Sad is that sad Sea Caves? What's yeah, that? Sea Cave in um, New Orleans was uh, vandalized. I mean, vandalized isn't the word. Um, a guy, and I don't know the entire story, but basically, a guy was kicked out of Sea Cave for putting stickers on a machine. He came back with an axe and destroyed pretty much every screen in the uh, building. Um, cops were called, uh, and he locked people in there while he was doing it. He left. Cops were called. Cops came, took down uh, the information. He came back later that night, I guess, and did more damage. And then the next night, he showed up with a gun. And then the cops finally caught him. Um, we're talking about, I mean, an absolutely insane situation and scenario here. Um, literally every screen in the arcade was destroyed by this guy. So if you want to help Sea Cave, uh, they do have a GoFundMe, uh, help support Sea Cave, um, keep its employees paid. Uh, they're at $34,305, raised of a $30,000 goal. I think they had said in one article shortly after, maybe it's no longer accurate, that they thought it would take about 50000 to replace everything that was damaged. So I hope they can, and I hope they can reopen and, and come back strong. But that, yeah, that's that's awful. Some of these are older monitors that are not easy to replace. They don't make new these monitors from the 80s anymore. No, so you have to go and find stuff that is, yeah, you have to go I mean, find have- parts that you can... Sometimes Spare. you can convert, they, they sell kits, I think, to convert some old CRTs, uh, depending upon what type of it. You can do that uh, and convert some some older monitors. But like <laughs> some of them, you know, they're not, they're not, there's no factories pumping out these old late 70s, early 80s monitors anymore. They're not right. out there. You can make do maybe on, the old, on some of the newer stuff, but not the super old stuff, like, like, like a fucking vector, you know, monitor. It's like, uh, okay, great. Great. I have a replacement value on it, but how am I going to easily find another one? You know, I think right. we're talking about there's not more being made. I'm just happy that no one got hurt. When you hear a gun and a crazy person, you're thinking, okay, locking crazy. people in in an axe. Yeah, that could have gone horrible. Yes. I can't imagine what the people are going through at that, at that, you know, during that time. That sounds insane. So, yeah, check it out. The Sea Cave Arcade uh, GoFundMe uh, is there. Uh, good old games is in trouble, according to this article from The Verge. I did, I think they did a um, um, CD Project Red owns good old games. I forgot about that. Yes, CD Project Red owns good old games, um, and I don't know if Cyberpunk affected this. I mean, Cyberpunk, from what I was reading the other day, ended up. It seemed like it ended up selling well, regardless of all the over the year, at least, uh, regardless of all the <laughs> criticisms. Um, but it says that they're going to focus on a handpicked selection of games, transfer some developers to other pro- uh, projects. And uh, basically I have a feeling they're just going to make this store far more boutique than it was. It was really starting to expand and offer a lot more. And I'm wondering if they just can't afford to do that. So, yeah. Cause when I first heard of good old games, it was, it was basically like offering you, you know, it was, you're, you're almost buying like abandonware. A lot of it was like these older PC games that, or at least ten like ten years ago, they they weren't re-releasing those games from the eighties and nineties. It's like it's where I went to go buy Heroes of Might and Magic two yeah. and three, and you can get like you know Arcane, you can get the old CRPG, 
um, you know, D&D games like Planescape Torment and stuff there. All the stuff that everyone wants to play yeah. but had been forgotten about. At one point in time, you couldn't find Doom 2 every single place. You know, at, at one point you couldn't. You know, so like at one point, these, these these old PC games, good old games was like the, to me, I was synonymous with old PC games. Oh, oh my God, they have X-Wing on there, Ian. Instead of me trying to get DOSBox working with my old CD, well, you can pay a few dollars and they have it all loaded up for you. You can just click on it. It's basically a DOSBox thing. And there you go. Executable. It's like, there you go. It's convenience. That's that was the I thing was, that I always liked about yeah. it was that it they packaged everything with a um, you know, a self-launching version of DOSBox that made the emulation of it super easy. Yeah. It wasn't difficult. Yeah, it, it, it was like, yo, how, can you figure that yourself? Yeah, I guess you can, but I don't want to spend three hours figuring out how to play my, my old uh, TIE Fighter CD. You know, right. I don't want to do that. So that's how I always knew it. Then, of course, they obviously want to make money. They expand that to more modern games. Then maybe, I guess, you lose your, you lose your marketing sort of point. Because then, obviously, you have Steam, you have Epic Games, you have everywhere else, you have... Um, you know, uh, Ubisoft had their fucking store. I don't know if they still do. Uh, you have all these other stores. Like then, you have no competitive advantage when you EA has one. EA yeah. has theirs. So yeah, how can you compete? So it looks like in 2020, uh, they had a profit of 1.37 million. Uh, they, but then in 2021, they had a net loss uh, of two 2.21 million for the past three quarters, compared to a profit of 1.37 million profit over the same period of 2020. So they they lost about a million dollars year to year. I wonder uh, if it just has to, if it maybe comes down to part of it being like, they're, they're not, they're not unique anymore. Like a yes. lot of that stuff you can get on steam and whatnot. Now it's they're They're not like a niche anymore. They're just another store. Yeah. Actually, Pat, yeah, they went down $2 million. looks like in, in total revenue. And then, well, I mean, well, operating revenue versus cost. I don't know, but they did. They did worse this past. Right. Week. And it's, then you think about what's happening. Did they, did they did they expand staff? Did they did did they maybe buy up some exclusives that didn't work out? You know what I mean? It could be a combination of things. You know, yeah, it's like expanded to. Oh, he's going to the dogs. Okay, uh, it's like expanded to um, to a more all purpose storefront selling new third party games and internal studio CD Project Reds, The Witcher Three, and Cyberpunk two thousand seven, plus an online service called Good Old Games Galaxy. Um, it laid off a purported ten percent of its staff in two thousand and nineteen. Uh, one staff member tied the earlier layoffs to increased competition in PC gaming storefronts, which has driven major platforms to lower the commission they take from developers. So this could be a situation where now they're forced to compete uh, more because of, well, Epic Game Store uh, taking taking less of a share uh, as well. So, yeah, I don't know how this uh, how this bundles in potentially with Cyberpunk 2077. Maybe that didn't didn't help. That was already a year ago, and that was a terrible terrible uh launch in the aftermath and the fallout of a, a game being incomplete and not playable on certain platforms uh but hopefully hopefully good old games stays around otherwise i can picture potentially uh, a buyout i can picture someone like steam obviously saying well we'll take out we'll take on good old games as, as basically like an imprint um or maybe epic games would would come in and and buy a buy a chunk of it but i i i, I could see good old games staying around it has a brand it has a name, and um, I, I think it will continue. I don't think it'll be shuttered for good. Uh, you want to talk about Logan Paul? So Logan Paul. I mean, not really, but I think people are overreacting in this instance. Logan Paul went and took 15 Game Boy colors and uh, submerged Logan. them in a 
uh, resin square to make a uh, coffee table. And then he put like a Pokemon sort of themed frame around it and everyone went nuts um you know oh he's wasting he's destroying this like that the he's destroying the um the hardware this that and the next thing i i don't care i the guy's done plenty of other things that were worthy of um getting on his case over but i don't think this is really it. it's 15 whole game boys yeah uh, it's like I, yeah there's there's some obviously some hard to find variants in there i saw the two pokemon ones there might have been some Japanese. they're not impossible to find though no they're not impossible to find and honestly the way i looked at it is this obviously he's he's been trying to you know he, he pumped a lot into like the the pokemon card market in the past year or two he, he the, the high-end sales he's buying you know the the unopened boxes. I think he I think he bought packs that ended up being already like resealed packs. So he's obviously likes this. He grew up with it. This isn't something he can monetize. Like he's not going to start making resin, poke, uh, you know, resin Game Boy color tables. So I'm actually not going to kill him for this. I think it's fine if he actually likes it and want to show it off. He made a one-off piece. He made a one-off piece. If he had if he had just purchased those 15 Game Boys and didn't submerge them in the yeah. Rather than they would still be 15 Game Boys removed from the market, removed from circulation. Yes. I, um, I own probably 10 Game Boy Colors. Yeah. So the fa- no. whether he, he buys those and leaves them unsubmerged. In, and, and people made some good points. You could do a glass table or something sure. like that. Sure, he can. But it's 15 Game Boys. And yes, there's some rare ones. But if he had owned them, like I said, they would have been out of circulation anyway. It's not like it was a Pokemon Center Game Boy Light. At least I didn't see, um, you know, those Pokemon ones are a bit more expensive now, but it, they, we always got them in at the stores. They're like, not, yeah, they're not super hard to find. I know the one is harder to find than the other. I think the, 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 the golden silver one is the golden silver one is harder to find than the original. So like, what do they go for? Like a couple hundred bucks, like a hundred bucks, hundred bucks. So it's yeah. like, it's, it's not like he did this at NWC cart. That's a, it's not like he did something that's irreplaceable. You know, right. Basically. So it's like, all right, that's fine. So like, wow. I have nothing bad to say about Logan Paul. There you go. You yeah, know. let the guy make his kind of tacky coffee table. I don't yeah, if that, if that's the best thing. You're gonna, if you're going to say that, that's the worst thing about it, it's like, well, okay, it's it's a clear table. That's the, your art piece. Okay. It's like, it's, it's, it's I yeah. don't want to call it tacky. It's just like the laziest form of art. We'll just sure. get something in case, in case it in plastic. Yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> that's it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Did you know, Ian, there was going to be almost Game Boy on the internet? Yes, I did. And I swear we've almost, we've talked about this, but you say we haven't. Um, So Page Boy, uh, I I think I I even like clearly, I think we talked about this at, um, during a convention. I think this was a convention topic we covered. Um, But the Page Boy was, and it was to be a first party attachment for the Nintendo, uh, the Game Boy that would allow you to check your email and do basic PDA stuff um on it uh notepads i think there was like a a small spreadsheet um 
yeah, just weird little stuff. And it never, it never happened. My guess is probably because the Game Boy was extremely long in the tooth by this point in time. Sure. This was, yeah, I think video, it was supposed to be uh, for the original Game Boy. A video covering it from uh, Liam Robertson. And then he talked to some people that, that used to work on it. Um, according to those involved at the meeting with Nintendo America 99, the company was excited about the potential for the page board. And for the next three years, Nintendo worked with Wizard, a group created to help manage the device to see if this add-on could actually be created and if it would end up being profitable. A lot happened between 99 and 2002. I mean, you had yeah, cell phones blow up between that. Right. For the most part. Like that's, by the, 2002 was my last year in college. By then, you started to see cell phones a lot more regularly, even with students uh, having them. So a lot happens in those three, four years, late 90s to early 2000s. Cell phones really made that jump into like popularity right? Uh, at that period in time. So they, they, the prices came down and the plants were more reasonable, even though looking back, you're like, how the hell could I spend you know, <laughs> what, uh, 10 cents a text? What the hell? You know, whatever, you know, whatever it was, five cents. A, like you got like 100 texts a month and then 10 cents a text. But there, there was that period that a lot happened between 98 and 2002. The internet exploded. Cell phones started to explode. You know, the world started to change more, if you want to say that. Uh, a lot of things, bumping technology uh, happened then. So, so there you go. We didn't get, we, we didn't get to, even to uh, have our Game Boy colors strapped on our, on our belt clips. On our belt. <laughs> I can't believe that would have been a thing. I, would you have done that? Strap your, your Pokemon Game Boy color uh, on your belt? I mean, maybe. It's possible. I might have considered it. Uh, Ian. Yeah. End of the year. We didn't really talk about what some of our favorite topics were uh, of the year. But if there was one uh, saga that, that we talked about pretty consistently, it was the Intellivision Nico. Sure. And you think we would have a, you know, we'd have a respite for the end of the year. But, you know, we, we can discuss a little bit. Um, it, it maybe it'll make Ian healthier talking about this. We don't know. No, probably not. Uh, but I didn't bring this up uh, last week. And I held it off. Um, I, I did play an Amico game at Sack Gamers Expo, which we'll get into. But first, Ian, and I can't see Ian's head anymore. Thank uh, you. It's right there. Uh, there was a video release. For some reason, they decided we're going to rush out four or five videos at the end of the year. Uh, gameplay videos. Like, this has all happened in the past month or so with the Battle Tank stuff and showing other games off. And I don't know what the, what the, what the consideration is that. Maybe they're trying to I don't know, trying to dominate the December newscape or something in, in January happening, but it's, it's all very kind of fishy than putting out videos. I think they know that they have to come out and officially say that these things aren't going to be released by, I mean, they're saying quarter 2022, quarter one, 2022, which they happening. have, it's not happening. No. Um, but they have never actually addressed the statement that they made that said that these uh, some of these could be shipping out in time for the end of the year no apologies no sorries nothing there um so they know that this thing has got to be six months to a year off at the very least still and i think they're just trying to make it look like things are happening uh to either keep the investors that are still in in or to try to get more investors what was the latest investment scheme that they were trying to to run with uh nothing's been talked about on that they don't even bring it up i can't imagine that did well fund it wasn't fundable was it or was it I, fundable? Th- I think it was fundable was the third third attempt it was first fig then the republic campaign then fundable which i haven't seen anything about because i guess requires more like it being a private investment I, all sure. i know is this uh it, it wasn't a good it wasn't a good christmas for the republic investors 
No. If you know that, Ian. Uh, did they see any return or, or start to recoup any of their investment? No. That's the no. answer. And they've has, been asking with no answers. Been, there hasn't been an update on the Republic campaign for three months, September 30th. Three months. That's insane. People that are giving you money. And you've had you've had this, uh, you know, all these videos come out. Uh, you had all this coverage, good and bad. You, you had a couple of German uh, sites cover you. I don't think and, there was any good coverage. I mean, honestly, well, there probably was one here or there, you know, some some uh, AARP fucking article or whatever that gave you a blurb. But like, there was nothing. Um, so this UI <laughs> video comes out and I think we saw a, like some semblance of a, a UI like a year and a half ago. Yes. In the video this looks a little bit similar we always we think it was it looked like a dvd menu and that's what it looks like and they did this video a deep dive uh, oh no excuse me sneak peek spelled correctly i'll just say this about this ui about this ui it's awful and it's very busy you don't know that you're marketing video games when i see this like let me give let me tell you give me an example why uh you have a screen these are like it's like a tv oval screen showing the, the it's on astro smash so these are spinning balls of the gameplay which you can't see what the hell's happening um and then the right side you have an, an oval showing it so uh, you click on astro smash Ian, i can't even see the ship and the astro smash going back and forth in the bottom of the screen yeah. you can't even see the game first off um but what's what's damning about this are those biplanes being shown in like 20 frames a second somehow on the screen like why is this not powerful enough to show a preview of the fucking game uh, anyway, so the problem with this UI is that you have different focuses based upon orientation of where things are on the screen. So most, almost every single time you see a UI for um, whether it's an emulator or whether it's for um, a game console, there's no dominance of certain titles or the other. It's just, okay, you're scrolling through a room and you see what you have. This, they get smaller, the circles, as you go yeah. left to right because they're angled. So like, like Shark Shark is tiny compared to Astro Smash. So why are you giving dominance based upon where things are on the screen? That makes no sense to me. Because they thought it looked cool. Like I don't understand that. Let alone the fact that again with the spinning globe, it's spinning and you can't even see what it is. Well, Tommy even says during the video that he wanted it to have motion always, and I don't know why. Why, why? would you? You can't. Why would you want that? Then? Right. It's it's incredibly busy. He says that like like it's a a deeply held secret of like UI design, but it's not. You don't want constant motion. Your eyes can only focus on one thing. <laughs> I can't look at the spinning motion of skiing and look at the shark shark uh, preview and look at Astro Smash Bing. You can't do that. You just physically can't do that. So again, no thoughts put into it. Um, again, there's like when you switch to the, it's like the TV signal goes out. On things again, this is like again a boomer console and a boomer vision of, of what it'd be like. We have a TV signal going out, like it's a cable TV in the 80s. Um, and then here's the weirdest thing about this I don't want to get too much into this because obviously, um, there was font issues, obviously, some some words were running together so that they didn't even have that uh, correctly parsed out. Um, you can uh, look at your coin and your box of, of your game if you bought the physical product version of it, they would add that to your store. How fucking weird is that Very uh, weird. to do that? You have the physical coin. Just look at the physical. Coin. Why don't we look at the digital representation of the coin you bought on the screen? It's <laughs> the last thing I would. <laughs> one other thing I would point out about it. Um, they did not think about the future of this UI. 
they did not think uh, beyond showing something because all the games are shown on the UI. This UI can't scale up. The games that you have are lit up. The games that you don't have are darkened. So one that's, you know, for a family friendly console, that's uh, an awful like predatory sales tactic to have the kids constantly flipping through a list of games they can't play just to get to the one game or two games that they can play. It's extremely Uh, non-family friendly to do that. Right. It's like putting the candy right before the checkout aisle at the supermarket. That's exactly what it is. Yes. And on top of that, um, the, uh, what was I going to say? Shit. The, um, oh, you can't scale that up. If they actually get to the point where they want to, where there's like 200, 300 games for this thing, you're going to make us look at a list of 300 games to find the 10 that we own? Sure. No, it's like insane. You, yeah. It, there was zero thought put into it. Um, I just Then I saw a conference talk, well, only some profiles are going to have ability to go to the store. So it's still, you're going to have kids say, oh my God, mommy. I mean, it's not going to happen because no kid's going to want these games. But in, in, in some world, a kid might say, I want this game. Where it's like, well, maybe now you got to deal with telling your kid, no, you can't buy that cheap game because you played the other five for 10 minutes total. And so I'm not spending another $10 on this game. Like you're bringing up reasons that you're saying that the competitors aren't family friendly and you're throwing it in their face on this UI. Right. You're doing that. And not everybody's going to realize that, oh, I got to set up a separate profile. So that like they're going to put their credit card in and maybe uh, little Timmy or or, or Sue is going to click on a game and buy a few just like that. Just like that. It's just a bad idea. It's also super incomplete. When you go to the settings, Ian, there's not custom icons for system versus help versus language. You know, like power is usually like a power icon. Yeah, no, it's system looks like the console. You know, uh, language is usually like a person talking, like a cartoon head. They're all the little widgets. They haven't even done the custom artwork yet for the settings. They're just gears. Yeah, they're just gears. I mean, it's just why even again, why even show this off at this point? There's nothing to show. Nothing. So that's all I want to say about it. It's it's more desperation, and it's a bad, obviously a bad direction from someone who's totally out of touch with, with what people want. Um, I just thought it's funny that Italian's the first language under English when you click the language because that should not be like that. You usually do it by predomination of the, of the, the speaking population. <laughs> it's yeah. always Spanish after English, and then usually – it's uh, French and then German and then Italian, something or, or Italian German. Like Italians never after English in any of these, but whatever. That's a small thing they could change. They should sure. change. If that's Tommy, just because, hey, I'm an Italian, then, then like, then obviously you shouldn't be running a company, but we already established that. So I went to Sack Gamers Expo a couple of weeks ago, I had a great time uh, there. And then I was in the, the, the guest section, Ian. Um, and then Ed Anunziata was across from me. Uh, uh, Mr. Anunziata was a creator of Echo the Dolphin. Uh, he was with uh, Sega there and worked on uh, some other stuff. And so Ed is is uh, going to be creating Dolphin Quest. Dolphin Quest, uh, we thought was going to be, uh, you know, a game that would be coming out only on the Intellivision Amico. Uh, Ed was super nice. He was well, to hear Tommy talk about it, it's certain, it certainly yeah. sounded that way. Oh, yeah. So I was surprised to see that it was there. And I, and I talked to Ed, super nice nice uh, fellow and i played the game for about 10 15 minutes um and then saw a few other people playing it and um yeah it's the spiritual successor to echo the dolphin um 
you have a dolphin, you swim around, you do flips in the water, you can, you can push objects with your nose, you can communicate with other animals. Uh, it was like a two-button game. Uh, there was a button to come, like one, I think it was like a, an action button, and one was like a communicate button to basically, so you, I, I took over like a school of fish at one point. Like you transferred, uh, whatever. It's like being like Aquaman. You talk to like the school of fish, and then you control them, and I guess you can do like a mini game or solve puzzles. I think I took over another dolphin at one point. Um, is, this was like, I'll say pre-alpha, um, because it was like um, all the gameplay elements that seemed like were there, like on on like a uh, like on a, like a, on like a semi-open world. We'll just say you can go into caverns underground. You can open up these like oysters and, and get these like pearl items that you can unlock something else. So like the, the the game elements were there. You can jump out of the water into bubbles and then do like a little timing to to, to shoot to other bubbles. You know to get to a certain point. So <laughs> there was interesting game elements there and i never played echo really before so i can see the appeal though because like oh you can smoothly turn and go up and around and you know it's cute to have the different creatures there there was like i think like a like a a, a giant whale in one part of it and um i was like wow this this is gonna be this could be a, a hit it controls smoothly and you know there was no lag on it at all i'm like this could be something oh oh wait oh i, I was playing on a ps4 controller with an analog, I, I wasn't playing it on an Intellivision Amico controller. Um, so it turns out uh, this is not going to be an exclusive at all, this game. Uh, Ed told me that um, this is going to be, you know, on, you know it'll be on, it'll be on uh, your PlayStation consoles. It'll be on probably Steam. They're going to do a Kickstarter probably in 2022 for it. Um, and then um, the, one of the best things he said to me, it can, he said that to me, Ed, and I hope I doesn't get in trouble with Tommy, but you have to let this people, people know what's, what's up. He said it controls great on the Switch. So obviously there'll be plans to have this on the Switch. <laughs> yeah. Direct quote. So it's like when you realize that these, I feel bad for some of these devs that, you know, it's almost like you're hamstrung being connected to this, this console that may never come out. I mean, Tommy used a dolphin quest as like during the, the, the disastrous E3 video, it was like one of the tags to one of the categories. We have action games like, like, like cornhole and this and dolphin quest. Yeah. You think like, Oh, wow. I can only play that on the, on the Amico. Okay. No, no. Ed realizes that he wants his creation to be seen as and play as many gamers as possible. You want it everywhere on the switch on the PS4 and five and on steam and on Xbox. You don't want to tie this to, to, to the Amico. You don't No, Absolutely not. You know, there's no money to be made doing that either. Um, so um, I, like I said, I, I played it for a bit. Uh, I'll, I'll be looking forward to the Kickstarter. Uh, the one thing he did say would be exclusive <laughs> to the Amico uh, four players instead of two. Uh. So uh, I don't think this is a game where you're going to have split screen on it. So I guess there'll have to be puzzles made up to solve where you have four dolphins instead of two. That's right. the only thing I can think about because this will be a, this will be a bunch of problem solving, getting items and things like that, and, and going back and forth uh, between different areas. I guess in the stages. But again, this is like pre-alpha. I, if I had a guess, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth. I don't think this would come out. Next year, if I did, it'd be like the probably the very end of next year because I because again we're not. Well, if there's a Kickstarter for 2022, I, I would say that this is probably 2023. Yeah, at earliest to be safe, I'd say 2023 because like I said this was like pre-alpha. It looked like it's like we have we have the game elements in here. The gameplay is probably complete, but like we have to build out this game still and do a lot of that 
nitty gritty work uh, when it comes to it. So, yeah, I, I guess we'll see what, what happens in, in 2023 for some of these devs, for some of these games that for the Amico that we actually want to see, like the breakout, uh, you know, reimagining that looks interesting. Yeah. We haven't heard anything about in so long. Uh, hopefully that comes out and we can play that because I, I give that a shot in the switch. Probably you would as well. Right. Or, or, yep. or in the PS4. I sure would. Any other thoughts on Dolphin Quest? Did you, did you uh, play Echo at all when, when you were a kid? I did. I played a lot of Echo. And the fun of Echo for me was just in the smoothness of the controls and swimming around and dashing and jumping out of the water. The game itself was a very cool idea. It was a very hard game. Um, I'd be interested in seeing another, you know, a 2D, like, like this is a spiritual successor. Because, um, yeah, it's a neat idea. Uh, Ian, we have a Patreon, don't we? We do. Patreon.com slash CU podcast. You go. <coughs> you pay a little money. Uh, you get full video podcasts. You get writings when I'm not sick and out of town. Uh, you get monthly hangouts. Uh, and you get these uh, poll questions. Uh, you get the exclusive podcast as well. Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. In second place, are sealed game collectors being mistreated? 40%. Uh, and then in first place, 60%. Thoughts on generic plug-and-play retro consoles as Christmas gifts. This comes from Zoe Kirk Robinson, who asked, what do you think of those retro arcade or retro 8-bit generic plug-and-play consoles that seem to flood the shops at Christmas? Good for nostalgia or just a cheap bit of crap? What do you think about these? <laughs> I mean, so if we're talking just the uh, like the bootleg ones that you know show up at mall kiosks every year with names like Super Joy Brothers 2000 or whatever, um, I think the idea behind people buying them is that they will be a brief trip down memory lane and it will be enjoyable. Um, but those things are generally so poorly made that I honestly doubt anyone gets any long-term enjoyment out of them. And then depending on which model you're getting or what they're using as a basis, a lot of those can only play the smallest simplest nes games because they don't have mappers and stuff in them so you're not going to be getting stuff like mario 3 you're going to be getting stuff like nuts and milk yes um which is not to say that those are bad games but a lot of those really small games you know a good handful of them never came out over here so you're not even going to see the nostalgia games the games that are going to give you the nostalgia they get you with a mario brothers running on like a tv screen or something like that you know a mario one But, um, yeah, it's mostly going to be stuff that people don't remember. Uh, I'm, looking, I'm looking at one on Amazon right now. I just put the link. I put on a couple for comparison. So if we're talking about the ones that are based upon old retro consoles, um, you have stuff like their Rice Mital NES Classic Retro Game Console with 620 video games and two classic NES wireless controllers, AV and HDMI output, $48. Um, there's three and a half stars on it, 10 ratings only. And again, wireless controllers with, uh, oh, it's an AV to HDMI little cheap fucking $3 adapter they include. So it's not even truly, it's not even a real HDMI out, Ian. Isn't that great? So that's fantastic. I realized that when I first saw it, I was like, there's no way this is built in because it costs to be more money. So when you see this stuff, this might, again, this would scratch the itch maybe of someone who isn't into the games that much, but it's like, oh, this is a nice little gift to have. But you're right. They aren't going to be playing this that, lo- that long. This is going to be something where they're going to be like, okay, this, again, scratch that itch. 
I remember playing games in the 80s and 90s. Thanks for getting it for me. I'll take it out every every month and a half when I'm drinking, sort of thing. Or right. like, or like well, someone's always like, hey, you remember? Hey, Todd, you remember when we used to play when we were kids? We played, uh, you know, Contra. I mean, there's a maybe Contra's on there. I see, I see Russian Attack in the picture, you know, for example, or Gradius. Oh, River City Ransom's on there. So that's what I'm going to say about that. There's also like the handheld ones, but I can't picture the handheld ones being a Christmas present. I think they're more for, for like many people that want to play these games more cheaply that remember them. Right. Blansters, 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 500 classic FC, I guess for Famicom, <laughs> three inch screen, uh, rechargeable battery portable. It looks like trash. Uh, I'll put the link in here right now. I just pasted it there. And it includes a Famicom controller that you can plug into the handheld to play them both at the same time. That'll oh, be great. Ian. That's what I was going to bring up was a lot of those. Like if you looked at them, like a lot of the plug and play ones that were just like a controller, they had like, they had like a a multi-cart jammed into the bottom of them like it wasn't even you know emulation it was just a multi-cart and a famiclone and you know here's your big system a lot of the ones that were sold in malls were like that look at the look at the quality in that plastic on that blasters look at that thing <laughs> i mean that just looks terrible i mean i don't i don't know the quality of the screen it's got four stars out of out of a 200 rating so maybe so oh, then, yes, Blansters. <laughs> so these are these are fucking boots. <laughs> but I took him to mean the ones that are actually like legit ones. Like this one I have in here, Ian, the My Arcade plug and play TV game console, 220 retro, retro style games. Plugs in the TV, battery or USB operated. Battery? Ergonomic controller shaped tactile buttons. So the controller is kind of shaped like almost like an Xbox controller. It has the Xbox color buttons, the blue, yellow, green, and red. There's an analog on it. Uh, there is a, a D-pad. Yeah, it's like it's like an Xbox controller, the original Xbox. It kind of looks like there. And these are not old retro games. These are retro style games. On the cover, you have like a platformer. There's like Chinese checkers on there. There's like this platformer, with like a little monkey. It looks like running around. There's like there's a single screen game. I've seen these before. And when I, my first thought when I see this, I'm like, where the hell did these games come from? Or what are these games? Right. I don't know if they farm these out or they or they search far and wide to license these, but I don't know where what these are. I just don't. So my guess would be from talking to Frank, um, a lot of these are just NES ROMs. Sure. So basically the you know, these companies got good at making these NES games because that's that's the hardware they were using forever for this plug and play stuff. And you know, every once in a while a plug and play would come out and have its own original game on it. And they're all they're always like very, very simple games and generally not very well made. And I bet you it's just all of those. I mean, I'm sure licensing on those is um not real strict. Sure. But these, but these are, this is a legit product though. The my arcade stuff. You see that stuff in like Target. Yeah. Uh, you know. So like, let's look at some of the comments. This is like three and a half stars. This would be this would be the item that if this existed when we were kids, your great aunt would get for you, thinking, oh, well, you like video games. Here, have this. And you're like, these games are trash. Yeah. Well, these aren't games that I remember playing. You know, like this is this is the game where it's like you're in the ballpark, but you're still not close to what the kid actually wants. Right. And one of the comments actually borns that out. Like one of the top comments for it. Uh, for someone named Jill, uh, like, oh, they got two unfunctional plug and play TV game systems in a row since February. Okay, they were <laughs> the quality sucked. All right, so that they only I, I do not recommend unless you only want entertainment for short term situations, then it becomes a piece of garbage. Okay, 
Uh, wouldn't recommend the controller is cheaply made and the games are in the lowest definition. Well, uh, looks like you literally stepped in a time capsule. <laughs> it's so bad you can barely see your scores or read the words. So like you said, yeah, there might be NES ROMs uh, that, you know, this is, I guess this is AVI or a bad HDMI on this. And uh, yeah, it doesn't, it's not looking too hot. Uh, right. on there my thought is that maybe maybe some are like it, it's like a, a cheap android emulator but for the cost maybe not maybe they'll be like cheap like android style right games in here um i'm almost like tempted to get one because i've never played anything like this bought here's one from uh here's a comment bought this for my four-year-old grandson very few games that were fun to play not a shock one of them only worked for a couple of times. There's like does one game only work a couple of times? There's like a limit on, on how, how often you can play the games. Ended up throwing it out after a couple of weeks. Wasted my money. Oh, I spelled wasting wrong there. The court is very short. Uh, not the highest quality, but has older games that you don't find anymore. I think they're mistaken. I think they mean there's like older style games on here right. that you can't. Uh, finding more oh okay here's one from uh, denise the games are very simple and kid friendly okay but some people saying it didn't work at all power came out but no signal tv so again this is like a stocking stuffer thing mass produced that like there's no potential not a lot of quality control right and you're not this this isn't this is you rather get the bootleg retro consoles if you're going to go down yes at least get the bootleg console with the games that are you know the games are good The quality of the hardware, but you know the games are at least are fun. They're they're established. They're not, right. you know, potentially from fly by night companies putting together crap, real quick. Yeah, I think I have to pick one of these up. I think I need a, I need I need a, a my arcade plug and play. Uh, there's lots of other ones though. There's 601 ones that look like PlayStation. There's one that looks like, looks like a handle looks like the Switch. They're all out there. But I'm thankful that you know these didn't exist 15 years ago. So I think my parents would have bought me them thinking, well, Pat, you like collecting games. I'm going to get you one of these. And I'd be like, this is a piece of garbage. I don't right. So, uh, All right. Well, voicemails. I think I might have to skip the voicemails. You want me to just do the voicemails myself? This week? If you want to do them or we can just go a week without them. I think it's fine, but I'm, I got to tap out. You got to tap out. <laughs> yes. All right. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to skip the voicemails. I don't think it's fun to do it because some people ask for Ian's opinion versus mine. So, all right. Right. I'll- We'll do them next week. I got to We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Yeah. We'll do it live. All right, Ian. We'll, we'll, I hope you feel better. You and Thank everyone you. else, your family. Uh, we'll do that. We'll do, do the unwrapping and gifts next week, hopefully, next Tuesday when we're back here. Yep. And uh, hope you have a good New Year. Hope, hope, because uh, my New Year's usually suck. So. Oh, here's to a good one. All right. Bye. Good. All right. See you, everyone. everyone. Oh, new NES Punk video will be out by the end of the year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.